My name is Prescott Smith, and uh, I'm president of the Bahamas Sports Fishing and Conservation Association, also president of the Fly Fishing Industry Association. Hello, and welcome to Obehi Podcast. I'm your host, Obehi Ewanfo, and I strongly believe that everyone has a story to share. Now, let's get started with this episode. Hello everyone and thank you for joining us today. This conversation is particularly important for us uh, because, of course, like most of you know, we are concentrating on the African diaspora, people of African descent, our life, our history, our heritage, where we are coming from and what we represent in the world. So today we have the special honor uh, of a brother of ours from the Caribbean who will be explaining something vitally important to us as it relates to the natural resources in Africa, and the heavy price that Africans are paid for it. For the rest of the world economy to go on, there are certain resources that you just need. You can talk of computer, the resources that you need to be able to power the computer, or from different forms of technology to nuclear weapon. All these are coming from the earth, and a huge percentage of these is located in Africa. And for the bigger economy to be able to get the resources, it would admit in a fair world that they would pay for it. But they don't want to pay for it. We know that they don't want to pay for it. So for them to be able to get it free, not cheap, you know, there's a difference between being cheap and being free. For them to get it free, they need to create a lot of distractions so that Africans were just fighting ourselves, whereas the resources that they need, they are taking it out. It has been like this for as long, as far back as we can think. Thank you very much. It's, it's important to share uh, with persons so that you have a very clear understanding that the continent of Africa is really the foundation of which the entire global economic model that is practiced today, it's really the root of it is what is happening in Africa and what was the motivating factor what got it started. And just like me living here in the Bahamas or wherever we are in the diaspora, we were miseducated about, uh, about the continent of Africa. And that was for a very deliberate uh, purpose because of what is happening on that continent and how Africa fuels economy all over the world. So I want to share with you here, when you look at it from Google Earth, you can see the continent of Africa. And it was always confusing to me. I saw all these lines and did not understand that all the various countries, you hear about Botswana, you hear about Tanzania, uh, Cameroon, and the list goes on. How did this, how did it happen? Who was responsible for it? And so when you look at it geographically, you can see all of the blue area representing uh, the oceans. And you come around here, you can see South America. And of course, where I'm speaking to you from here in the Bahamas. So the Bahamas is made up of 700 islands. Uh, 2,300 keys. 
But what we will see is the model that is followed not only in every Caribbean country and the United States, uh, China, Russia, all has to do with the foundation of it all, and that is the continent of Africa. So when you look at it geographically, I'm going to put up the uh, grid system here, and you would see that you have the Tropic of Cancer, and you have the Tropic of Capricorn. And as you spin the globe, and you go all the way around, all this blue area you're seeing is oceans. You can see Australia here, but as you come back around, you can see North and South America. And pay particular attention to 30 degrees North and South. As you come around to Africa, you would notice that the largest landmass between 30 degrees north and south of the equator is the continent of Africa. Now, what is so significant about that is most of the living things on Earth are within that geographical zone. And so when you think about all of these lines and how these countries got it, you would find, uh, you go back and you see uh, a met in Germany, most European countries, including the United States was there, and they carved up the continent for one reason, and that is to control the extraction of where most of the wealth of the world comes from. And again, geographically, you think of a mahogany tree, uh, things that can only grow in a tropical region. So all of this green area, you look at the great Congo region there. And again, take special note that Europe is at 50 degrees on average north, completely outside of that belt. But yet, these countries in Europe, like Germany, France, Spain, Portugal, and you look throughout Africa, there are colonial roots that originated from the enslavement of Africans, transporting them across the Atlantic. And like myself, the majority of us were miseducated to think that, you know, slavery had something to do with what texture here, the color of your skin. Uh, but it has always been about the resources. And so Africa, is the richest landmass on the planet. The continent of Africa fuels all of these economies around the globe. Uh, again, as Obeha pointed out, the miseducation in so many different ways was a deliberate part of the process to keep us distracted as to what the real motive of why we go through so much that we are faced with today. And so no matter where you are, you can be of African uh, ancestry in Brazil, or you could be here in the Bahamas, or you could be in Jamaica, you will find that the colonial offsprings from Portugal, Spain, Italy, France, England, all throughout the Caribbean, North and South, America, 
in the Pacific region, it has always been controlling resources that can only uh, either growing the bananas or the orange or the grapefruit or extracting certain minerals that are only found in abundance. So for example, let's take platinum. Most of the world's platinum, just in one country in, in Africa, South Africa, but of course many other countries in Africa is rich in platinum. And, and we can go on and on with those resources. So I'm gonna remove the grid system here. Again, you can see 30 degrees north and south of the equator. Almost 90% of the living things on the planet exist in that zone. And Africa, I'll take it around one more time, is the largest landmass in that particular area. Now that uh, we have seen the presentation, I want to first of all thank you for that. Uh, I want you to do a little presentation of yourself so that people know uh, who you are in relation to what you have shown us, because that is what we are going to be talking about for the rest of the time in this conversation. Yes, my, my name is Prescott Smith, and uh, I'm president of the Bahamas Sports Fishing and Conservation Association, also president of the Fly Fishing Industry Association. So my passion around natural resources and conservation had really to do with how do we empower people through the many resources that God has blessed us with. And I found that I was running into a lot of obstacles when I tried to share information that can help people have so many uh, started here in the Bahamas. And then I said, uh, it, did, it was a little confusing to me because those who were controlling the conservation environment in the Bahamas were mainly families of the colonial descent. And that is what really took me on a global journey of searching the root behind the typical conservation arena that is practiced. So what you find when you think of uh, Africa, North and Central America, those who control the uh, main areas of the economy, they central around, uh, you know, controlling the education or miseducation about resources in a country. And so that is how they scout out the wealth with the research. And so when I came forward, very excited to share information about how Bahamians can be empowered through giving them the skills in ecotourism, whether it be fly fishing, bird watching, nature-based tourism, using these resources in a sustainable way. Like I said, it was met with opposition by such families. So then I began to say, well, uh, who else is in the world? And Kenya was the first country that I began to look at. And then I began to look at Botswana, uh, other countries. And that is what took me on a global journey about 30 years ago, when I saw that here was various countries in Africa where people were being driven off their land 
because of the various mineral resources. So I began to do more and more in-depth research where, you know, most of the, the gold, the copper, the diamond. And I found that it just kept coming up outside of Europe. And I began to do more research. I said, well, if all of these resources are showing up outside of Europe, how is it that Africa, uh, the history of you know, people being enslaved, and being brought to the Caribbean, whether it's the Bahamas, whether it's Haiti or Jamaica, what is the real reason behind it? And you know what was so liberating for me? I grew up in a as a child thinking that the enslavement of Africans, uh, all of the miseducation about being inferior and so forth, and it was all just, you know, one of the many distractions used to keep us from understanding the true reasons behind it. So my passion for conservation has always included uh, the human component. How do we use such resources to empower uh, people, no matter where they are, uh, using them in a sustainable way? And exactly what is still happening on the continent of Africa is happening throughout the entire Caribbean. You find those who are in control of the economies, be it in Jamaica, uh, be it in the Bahamas or Trinidad and Tobago, you will find it is resources and how those resources are moved and so who's controlling your ports. Uh, they are all linked together because everything has to move through some seaport or airport at the end of the day. And so you will find whether you go into South Africa or you come here in the Bahamas, uh, the colonial offshoots uh, from the various countries that colonized Africa, enslaved Africa, are those who, you know, control the Caribbean region, whether they took Africans to Brazil, whether they took them into South Carolina and in different parts of the United States. So we know the history, 400 years of it, uh, 500 years and more, but it's always been about resources. And so for me, the passion behind this is how do you bring about a true conservation model? Uh, because if local people are not empowered through these resources, not in uh, the way it's typically extracted, destroying uh, the environment, destroying the freshwater lands, destroying, you know, the or permanent destruction to the environment. Because there are ways you can get resources. Uh, you can do it in a way that does not leave this permanent path of destruction behind it. Yeah. Yeah, all right. So I want to thank you again for, for that sharing. It is very important. And like I said before, it is important that we understand that you didn't just wake up and you start talking about resources and what has been happening in Africa in relation to the resources because the people in Africa, a lot of us are suffering because of the resources that we have. Not really the resources per se because the resources do not bring suffering. 
It is the wickedness of some other persons who want to take the resources that create suffering so that people don't understand it like they say it's a cost. No, it's not a cost. It's a blessing. But yes. if we don't understand how to use it or maybe we are killing other people because we want to take their resources, that is why people interpret it to be a cause. Now, a lot of things actually came to my mind when you were doing the explanation just now, when you were explaining why you are doing what you are doing, no? in that we uh, perhaps have been miseducated about even the concept of the land, the resources that we have. Now, we don't know who owns the land anymore. It appears like what happened in Zimbabwe, that somebody came from England. He said he is the owner of the land in Zimbabwe. His ancestors have never been there. But by virtue of their law in England, he became the owner of Zimbabwe. That is just an example, but that is actually the reality all across Africa because Zimbabwe now, we do a land reform. They reform their law. Because now, if we understand that this is our land, then when we are taking the resources from it, we should respect the owner of the land, who are actually the landlord, as it were. So in this sense, I think this work that you are doing is extremely important because surrounding it are a lot of argument from politics to economy to our culture. Where are we going to start from? To even begin to understand that when we are talking of these resources, we are talking of the life, the existence, and the survival of the people in question. Where are we going to start this? You know, what you're saying is so, it's so important over here because it, we, can't, we can't fail at this because even those who created this economic model, inevitably, they're actually destroying themselves by having such an imbalance. And if you look at the various, I, I would call it, imagine being a very sophisticated thieves. You know, you come up with uh, structures that says, you know, you have deeds to the land, stealing by any means necessary. Uh, and so there is no, there is no uh, attitude or about being fair. So I want to get the, the diamonds from you, but I don't want to pay for it. Uh, the evil part of it is the process what it took to miseducate our people that it is something other than what is really happening. And as a result of it, when you think about the negative impact it's had on our mind to think that we are inferior, uh, people are bleaching their skin, all of these were part of the distraction. And so for me, what you're doing here to get this message out, it's so critical because it was liberating for me mentally that I didn't have to live any longer thinking that, you know, the lies we were told you were inferior is because of one's pigmentation. And in reality, even most Europeans themselves, while you have this system that it's, it's, uh, it's a very evil system, most of them don't even know the truth. People are just reaping the benefits of such a dishonest system throughout the world. So for example, 
you know, whether it's the Chinese who think that they can look down on the African or someone in Italy or someone in Germany, but even for them to be truly educated, uh, changing that mindset. So it's very critical for our survival because like I said to you, from a conservation standpoint, if we continue on this path, as we destroy the environment permanently, you can see the effect it's having on global warming, uh, you know, major droughts and all of these things. It actually affects those who, you know, generate all this wealth. So think of Africa, like we all have to be uh, true caretakers of that continent. And so the very model that's being followed, the more people of African, uh, whether you're in the diaspora here or other parts of, you know, anywhere in the world, that whole attitude uh, has to shift the mindset so that the African understands what is the real reason why they are enslaved, the real reason why, you know, lynching takes place in the United States or in throughout the continent of Africa. And wherever we are on the planet, you always put at a disadvantage. Even if even if I'm generating a lot of wealth, I mean I can be I can have hundreds of millions of dollars and I can drive in the state of Kentucky and I can lose my life just being stereotyped for being black. The police officer comes up and so in his mind he's gonna be thinking a certain way about me. And he doesn't even realize that he has been miseducated as much as we have been miseducated. And so it's very critical to get this information out because I always, from a geographical standpoint, geography has always been my passion. And people can give you, send you down false trails. But when you see it from a geographical point of view, where these resources are. It's like somebody turning on a light switch. And that's what happens to me. So whenever I hear of some conflict, you know, in certain parts of Africa, you can always go to, you know, is it France? Is it Germany? Is it the United States? Is it Russia? Who's in the background fueling these things with the weapons? And what is the underlying uh, agenda with some resource. Of course, what we see is, you know, we see the images of Africans starving and, you know, the refugees and so forth without understanding that there's some huge mining interests uh, with all those platinum and diamond, gold, copper, whatever, that these various countries need these resources, but are not willing to, you know, fairly trade with Africa so that everybody benefits, you say? You see, that, that, is, that is a tragedy of it, no? In that uh, sometimes we ask from, we ask justice from the European, the Western system. Yes. They are not ready to deal with Africa with justice. They are ready to deal with Africa and perhaps with the rest of the world except those who are strong enough to be able to hold their ground. 
because they know they cannot swallow those people, then they are going to negotiate. But in terms of dealing with Africa, there is no negotiation. They prepare their document somewhere in the Vatican, somewhere in Paris or London or Washington, and this document gets to Africa. What the African people need to do, of course, by African people, I'm talking of the representative of the slave, of the slave company, you know, uh, which in this case are the politicians, is just to append their signature. They don't negotiate because power negotiate with another power. If on the other end they have been destroyed, the power really are not there. Who is Washington going to negotiate with in Africa? If Washington is negotiating with another power that they have installed, it's like they are negotiating with themselves. Because that power is still you. You are still the one talking just like you are talking through the mouth of another person. It's still you. So that brings me to the model. The model. We can't even think of it that up until 12th century, 13th century, that there were systems in Africa that people were organizing themselves, that were metropolis. Masamusa was he, uh, a slave of the European. He, he was governing the people bigger than the whole of Western Europe. Yes. What happened? Well, you have to look at it, you know, you think of humanity. And I remember as I stood up with what we're facing right here in the Bahamas. I mean, just, just like the continent of Africa, but on a much smaller scale. The Bahamas is an extremely wealthy country, but I grew up being miseducated that we have sun, sand, and sea, and did not understand the ex exporting of mineral resources uh, all over the world, be it aragonite, uh, sand, limestone, which are all forms of calcium carbonate. And besides air and water, it's the most used resource on planet Earth. But, but let me give you an example. When we stood up for trying to protect the largest fly fishing area of its kind on the planet, Bahamas has vast amount of shallow waters. And I saw training of persons to be fly fishing guides as a means of protecting these resources. I thought it was, it was a positive thing. So I went forward uh, excited. And then it was met with just incredible resistance, lots of opposition from the United States, uh, different persons who are in the fly fishing industry, companies, uh, associations, all the way in Canada and Europe. Again, they were fighting. So it, it was very clear to me that you're dealing with such mindset about how you interact with others when it comes to resources. So I had the head of the U.S. Embassy visit me in Andros. He said, well, Prescott, we, you know, we get thousands of letters complaining about you. So I showed him, I said, well, a female astronaut shared with me that we had the largest uh, mangrove nursery system in the entire Western world. And of course, when I worked in the Defense Force, I saw poachers coming to get fish from Dominican Republic, from Honduras, from Cuba, the United States. So I realized that these resources was important, not just to us in the Bahamas, but so many countries throughout the world. They come all the way from China and Japan. 
fishing in these waters for tuna and the list goes on. But here is the, the thing that made it uh, crystal clear for me when it comes to the way you look at dealing with other humans being on such mindsets. I said to the gentleman from the U.S. Embassy, I said, name me one country in the world where Europeans have gone and treated the locals as equals. Because here it is, I'm fighting to protect these resources so that it benefits not only the Bahamas, but the United States, every country in the Caribbean, and the list goes on. And that can only happen if you empower the locals so that they're using these resources in a sustainable way. So that is the, the root of the issue. And those that's such mindset, uh, many of us, unfortunately, have learned that. And I call it, you know, thinking with the spirit of scarcity, because you always want to get more, even at the expense of others. And so that mindset that was exported out of Europe uh, when they met in Germany, as you know, they sat at the table and there was no Africans invited to the Berlin conference, right? So, you know, we had no idea that, you know, we not only wasn't a part of the conversation, we was actually on the menu for dinner. And so they... they that is how the Europeans understand justice. For them, that is justice. Yeah. When you look at someone saying, oh, we're going to blacklist, you know, Jamaica for banking and we're going to blacklist the Bahamas and Trinidad. But yet you think about hundreds of years of extracting trillions and trillions of dollars of resources out of the continent of Africa. And it can be in all these European banking systems. But of course, in their mindset is that's not stealing. They are professional bankers, you know, wearing suits and ties. But then you and I are criminals. You know, yeah, yeah. That is their justice system, European ju yeah. Western justice. So that we can begin to decode it a little by little. That is their, by the time they are stealing, it's called justice. If you cry out, yeah. you are a rebel. So you just need to follow their, their, their fascist system. Don't complain. Just say <laughs> sa sa all the time. They are yeah. hitting you. Don't cry. Just keep quiet. You are obedient. You are a good one. That is yeah. how they understand it. But don't do and the I, same thing to them. I realize that because I fish so many people and some of them are, are genuine. But most of that mindset it, it, that's how it, so even when you think about it, let's say I'm being very successful here in the Bahamas over there and I'm looking, I'm looked at as, you know, Prescott, very wealthy, but at the same time, I am getting the bauxite out of Nigeria and I'm leaving a path of destruction. When I leave, the water table is destroyed, the, the farmlands or the local villages are no more. But of course, you know, I'm over here in the Bahamas and I'm flying around on my private jet and I am viewed as being very successful. So when you look at that mindset of what we call, you know, uh, being a very successful business person, it's not a balanced approach. And so they had to convince themselves that we are inferior or savages. And so we can carry out such a model but I always re refer to Norway. Here is Norway. 
with all this uh, resource that they have. And they don't complain about Norway uh, using these resources to benefit every Norwegian citizen. But it's a problem if African uh, use their resources in that way. So you go into Norway, you see that if somebody wants to go to Norway and drill for oil, the government tells them right off the bat that 75 to 78% belongs to the Norwegian citizens. But you go to South Africa, you see a different model. You see millions in Shantytown, going half a mile underground in, in shops. They can barely feed their families. And then those who, who implemented such a model, they can be living in luxury, drinking expensive wine, living in gated communities. And that is viewed as you know, a model of success. So that is what I've come to the conclusion that, uh, and that is what really made me passionate about a true model of conservation. Because even for the most part, and I met some genuine persons in it, but even the model itself is the very same uh, structure that leads to, you know, permanent empowerment, uh, poverty of our people and uh, resources being exploited and destroying the land. And as I pointed out to you, I could give you a clear example of the Bahamas. We have been exporting limestone for about 65, 70 years into the United States, Canada, and all over the world. And not even $1 shows up in our annual budget. I'm not saying that they pay us $10 or $5 a year. They just develop a structure called Freeport, which is on the island of Grand Bahama. And I can show you now the ships are going into 11 different ports into the United States. And this is before I was born, we was exporting it. So we have billions and billions of dollars in limestone leaving and the country has billions and billions in debt. And that can be Trinidad and Tobago, that can be Jamaica with its bauxite mine. And so, because I fish so many people and I listen to these conversations, you realize that that's, that's a mindset of not looking at others as equals. They're not thinking of negotiating with you. But you said something that was very powerful earlier. I always tell people, if you know such a mindset, why are you expecting the solutions to come from such mindset? And so when you look at African leaders, most of our politicians, unfortunately, uh, don't really understand what we're talking about now. They've been miseducated. We see education as getting a degree from a university and, you know, if so, if you go and pursue that education just for, you know, the ability to earn more money for you rather than to truly find out the truth, uh, unfortunately, most people are in that state. Whether they don't really understand this, that, are, that can actually be for another day. Um, it actually, yes. of course, we're we are looking at the responsibility, if we want to put it like that, of yeah. European in the situation in Africa here, we do talk a lot about our responsibility, but we are, of course, maybe we might still come to that. 
in that what we are talking about at the end of the day, I think is a common sense. Now, I tell you what I mean, why I, I am not, uh, I don't want to excuse our politicians. This is why. We see some of them, let's say for Nigeria, for example, where they hide billions of, sometimes they don't even hide billions of Naira anymore because Naira, the Nigerian money has become worthless. They now had billions of, of dollars of, of foreign currency. They don't invest in it anywhere. They just load it in a house. So that when they need it, they can go there and spend it. So the money is not circulating in the Nigerian bank. Because of course, you cannot justify it. So the question is this one. What do you need to understand that what you are doing is wrong? What do you, as a human being, doing that to your nation need to understand that that is wrong? That your children cannot go to school in your country because the educational system is so poor. They can leave the Nigerian student to be on strike. They can leave, for example, ASU to be on strike for up to six months. It doesn't consign them because their children are studying somewhere in Europe or in the United States. Why is that difficult for them to understand? They are well, sick. They cannot go to hospital in Nigeria because the hospital, the, 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 our medical situation is so bad. Why is that difficult for them to understand? That is why I really do not want to excuse them at all because I look at them, all of them, they are the same. Well, you, you share something that's happening not only here, but it's so powerful. Let's look at the root of what you just said, right? Imagine you and I have each have $500 in our wallet and then your wallet is in the bedroom and then you're sneaking in your own bedroom to steal a dollar from your own wallet. That's how bad the miseducation has taken place that we have become so miseducated that we don't even see that the resources belong to us because we just follow a system of you know, whether it's the Dutch or the British who's extracting the oil for a hundred years of Nigeria, but yet they have propped up politicians to make sure that they don't do what Norway did. So as long as I pay you a few million dollars on the side so that I could keep stealing the resources that not only belongs to you, but belongs to every Nigerian citizen. And it's the same thing in the Bahamas, Jamaica, where elsewhere. We're exporting aragonite to the United States. We're exporting sand. We're exporting limestone. We're exporting salt. And the list goes on and on. It's the exact same model. And you said it earlier when you talked about the various uh, tactics used. And so the miseducation of us was very critical because you can see the effects of it. It would be like you and I bleaching our skin or thinking our hair isn't good enough or, you know, we have to be stealing uh, our own money. And so they are just revealing to you uh, what you mentioned when you talk about the shackles being on our mind, you see? Well, and of course, they say, well, look at it and say, well, you know, I'm a doctor, you know, I have a master's degree. But their actions are revealing that they are still shackled here mentally. 
because let's look at Nigeria. Nigeria has so much wealth that what has been taken from that one country in Africa can empower Africans anywhere in the world if the country of Nigeria got one-tenth of its, uh, you know, what is truly deserving or what it actually, and it's the same thing in here in the Bahamas. We have one island I can name, Grand Bahama. The amount of wealth taken from Grand Bahama and the way that island is used and oil storage is used and, uh, you know, the limestone is used in all of these various ways. You can see at the end of the day, it can pay the national debt off on every country in the Caribbean. But yet people are losing their homes there. They're sleeping in the cars. And politicians are dressing up in suits and ties and so forth. So the miseducation is, you know, so I had to look at all of the various uh, strategies used to get us to the state and what was the solution and sort of the uh, the conservation model that ought to be practiced was really the solution. We have to be educated about these resources. We have to know, you know, what is the true wealth of the various countries. And of course, unless Africa implements you know, sovereign wealth structures to benefit all its citizens. Uh, but of course, you know, most of the politicians who are elected, they are funded by those who uh, control or introduce the very systems that we follow today. Yeah. All right. So you were saying before that you could be rich and you are working somewhere uh, in the United States. A policeman will still imagine, ah, how I could sit on your neck and wait until you die because you don't look like me. Because right. the policeman is just as miseducated as you are. Because I am not able to justify how your, your wickedness can be allowing you to do that. There is nothing else that justifies it other than miseducation. Because yes. I think James Allen was saying in one of his books that the only thing that ties the slave and the enslaver is the same, is chain. One end is tied to the chain, the other end is tied to the enslaver. So when you say free the slave, you actually say let's free ourselves. That includes you. Because as long as the slave is not free, even you, the enslaver, is not free. So it's about all of us. Yes, you're absolutely now, right. You see, it's mentally... You can have the poorest person in the Appalachian Mountains range in the United States who's on welfare and so forth. But as long as he thinks that he's superior to someone from Africa or Mexico, it's, uh, it's a sad state. But that's one of the various strategies used, you know, to keep us, you know, divide and conquer. And so there's no justification for the attitude. I was just pointing out that I had to look at all of the various ways the strategies used so that the system, you know, it fuels itself. And that is you know, from a religious standpoint, uh, education systems, 
the way who tells you about our history, various forms of media. So what you're doing is very powerful and very important that we are able to communicate. You're in Italy and I'm in the Bahamas and think about we could not do this, you know, you know, 20, 30 years or whatever like that. So we can use technology to get the message out there because I was very, I was very uh, miseducated and, and deceived. I would go to politicians here, do presentations to the cabinet. And I thought that, you know, the information would be circulated and just met with incredible opposition, persons trying to bribe you, you know, cut deals. And I realized that it, it wasn't unique to me. Anyone who tries to expose uh, the structure that we really live under, you know, you're either it, it met with tremendous opposition and many people give into it and they take the money. Yeah. I remember a politician came to me a few weeks back. We're fighting a huge mining interest here. Uh, the island that I live on has the largest freshwater supply in the country and uh, largest mangrove nursery system. And persons came right to my homes at these mining interests, you know, $5 million. And uh, for me to be quiet. And I said, it didn't matter if it was five or $10 billion, I would never compromise myself because the wealth belongs to us. And until we recognize that we don't have to be stealing a portion of what rightfully belongs to Nigeria or rightfully belongs to Tanzania, and, and all of that has taken place because of the deliberate miseducation. So having the opportunity to be able to show persons uh, through what you're doing, it's very, very important because we, our, our people have to see it. We can talk about it, but just like me, I realize from a geographical standpoint, until you're able to show people, so it's crystal clear, you know, Stevie Wonder or Ray Charles see it, it makes it. That makes your message more powerful when you speak to them from Italy and say, this is what is happening in Nigeria. This is what is happening in South Africa. Uh, because really here in the Bahamas, where we don't know, the average Bahamian don't have a clue of when you talk about platinum and where it comes from in the world. I always thought gold came from England, right? Because you hear of <laughs> London gold, right? I didn't realize there isn't an ounce of gold in England because you would hear of London gold. Or yeah. I always, you know, I always thought chocolate came from the Swiss chocolate, Nestle. Mm. I see they, they planted the chocolate, they planted a tree in so, somewhere uh, uh, in Swiss, or maybe they are digging the gold somewhere in Manchester. Yes. <laughs> so that's, I mean, and that is the miseducation we are getting in the West. I mean, deliberately, I. I think of Snickers and I think of M&M and then you realize that 70% of the chocolate. Can I just show you a slide if it's possible? Can I yeah, show yeah, please you? go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. I would like to. Yeah. So here we go. So you remember 
speaking about how did we get in this state and mm-hmm. you think of all these countries that uh, they met in Germany, of course, Africans were not invited in 1884. And uh, we, we just spoke about chocolate. So over 70% of the world's chocolate, and notice it's coming from that same geographical zone, 30 degrees north and south of the equator. So two countries in Africa is where most of the world's raw material for chocolate comes from. That's in Ghana, the Ivory Coast. Of course, I always thought, you know, chocolate is M&M and Snickers, right? From the United States. And had no idea. And that is the deliberate miseducation. So again, you think of, you know, a billion people got up this morning, they're drinking coffee. And you can see coffee is in that geographical zone where it's grown all around the world. Doesn't matter if in Ethiopia, if you're in, you know, Brazil. So you can see the movement of uh, persons from the continent of Africa. And again, but look at an interesting slide. It shows you it does not matter who, where the gold or the chocolate or the coffee originates from or grows, is who's controlling it. So you can see countries by consumption. You have Finland, Norway, Iceland, Denmark, Netherlands in the cola climate, and of course, coffee fuels the world economy. People wake up and have a cup of coffee all hours of the day and night. Same thing with diamond. You can say, well, we hear of diamond, but where's, where does most of the diamonds in the world come from? And you can see most comes of the continent of Africa again. But we grow up in the West thinking diamond is in Belgium, diamonds in New York, you know, diamonds are a girl's best friend. Uh, and I want to go back, as I mentioned, coffee here. This is an interesting one because the first Starbucks was opened up in Seattle here in the United States. But there's no coffee that is grown there. They go coffee in Colombia, coffee is grown in uh, Jamaica, uh, all of these tropical, you know, the, this type of geography around the globe. So we can see it, resources, whether it be diamond, and you think of teak. So all these expensive yachts, the teak furnitures, the teak on the boat, because you can wet teak 24 hours a day, all the deck on these and it's teak, right? But look where the teak is. Again, Africa is the largest landmass within that geographical zone. So that's that makes the point clear in terms of uh, when you think of resources and why we are in the state we are in. And that message we have to get out because then the politicians are allowed to continue the wheeling and dealing because the electorate is not fully aware. And so a lot of times they our people are bought off because the politicians make them feel that they're doing them a favor by giving them a job and giving them a contract. So you'll find the same thing in Nigeria. 
It's the same thing in the Bahamas, the same thing in Jamaica, right? And so... And because yeah. all of them look a little bit the same, of course, for those people who are not ready to, to think now, who are not ready to use their hair, they might easily make the conclusion that, okay, maybe it have to do with the skin color. Ah, uh, the skin color is caused and, and all those stupid things that they do say. But it is not. What happened? It just happened that, you know, when you are playing a game, there are some circumstances, some situations that sort of work in your favor. Now, Come, talking of favor, I'm talking, of course, the model that have been created by the European. It is their yeah. model. It, it seems to be working for them. But it is a dangerous model. Why it is dangerous is that what Europe is doing to other people, other people are going to do it to them, then it will be done to other people and other people again. When is it going to end? Why can't we just create a model where every human being is treated with respect? Why can't we talk? Why can't, why can't for example, Italy needs something from France? He doesn't go there to kiss some people before he can get it. In this way, the people in Italy will not be afraid that, ah, when France realizes, they are going to do the same back to, uh, to Italy. Because, now, we are over 8 billion people in the world, more or less, as it were. If we properly put ourselves in order. We have food to eat, all of us. There is no reason why people should be going hungry. There is no reason. But again, what? you would have to you would have to admit what you're saying is 100% correct, but you would have to admit that, you know, our whole lives, what we were taught, have been a lie. And a lot of people are not interested in dealing with the truth you know, going through that painful, but yet it's better for us all. You know, it's like you're taking medicine. Might not taste good, but uh, the healing takes place. And so for Europe to admit that they've been stealing for hundreds and hundreds of years, and, you know, we have to, we can't just say, you know, we're sorry. You know, what about all of the trillions of dollars in British banks while most of that money came off the continent of Africa or other parts of the globe. What do we do to make it right? Even in the United States, you can hear all of the terms, you know, conservative rights and I'm a conservative. These are various dog whistles because what it means is you're conserving the status quo. And so, because I deal with so many people and understand the language they use, but of course they would find certain talking points, you know, one who believes in abortion or one who believes in, you know, states' rights or one who believes in, you know, various things like that, uh, Christian principles and family values. Uh, interesting family value after we yeah. massacre other families yeah <laughs> you know you know this is what i was saying before that european the westerners they only understand one type of justice that is the one that put them uh, at an advantage if it is not that it is not justice how can you be talking of family value when for example people that have been working for the catholic church have to participate in genocide in different yeah. parts of the world, in Canada, even there in the United States, 
in Africa. We can't even talk about it. How can we be talking of family value? Where were their brain? Yeah, were, they no, were they no human beings? Were they no thinking? What were they thinking about? Well, it's so, back to the same. It's the yeah, same yeah, one we talk about. It's uh, when they talk about family values, they're really talking about their family and not you or me. So remember, religion is one of the other tools used to miseducate our people. Many people think that they learn to worship God by the way the Europeans taught us to do it. And in Africa, if you know our history, as you said, existed many, many thousands and thousands of years. I said Africa was the land of the spiritual people. But one of many tools used to say, you must worship and serve in this way. And in that way, you see yourself as being inferior. And so therefore, once you have that mindset, it means people can justify treating you a certain way. So you think of the United States, even as people went to church on Sundays, uh, the Ku Klux Klan, you know, you were not allowed to go into those churches. You were buried in a different cemetery. You could not eat at a certain but they say they're serving the same God. Mm. And, yeah, yeah, yeah so, the <laughs> yeah, one of the tools used to uh, keep us distracted as well. So, yeah, but we have to get the message out there. And because, like you said, otherwise, none of us is truly going to be free at the end of the day. The chain is attached. You know, in both directions. Yep. And that's right. why I'm passionate about this, about Thank conservation. So yeah. Thank you so much for that. Now, looking at uh, conservation, looking at the work that you are doing, I want to understand how do people take the message? When you uh, talk to other people, it could be right there in Bahamas or in other parts of, um, of, uh, of the Caribbean. What, what do you see people think? What, what is their reflection about? this conservation. I'm not saying that we shouldn't touch nature at all, but we must understand that we are also part of nature, that if yes. we destroy nature, we are destroying ourselves. So by exactly. conserving nature, meaning that we just need to be mature enough to understand that whatever we are doing to nature, we are doing it to ourselves. So what do people understand in line with these simple things? Well, you know, the the... The opposition, mainly for me, always comes from the Berlin Conference crew mindset because they recognize that what I'm speaking about is what you said earlier about sitting at the table as an equal. So when I speak of conservation, I speak of a model that is about using these resources where benefits uh, it truly benefits the citizens of that country. And so I am equally passionate about, you know, what's happening in Haiti or Cuba or Jamaica because the very model that has been practiced are those who really do not believe in equality. So justice to them is, it has to be tilted in their favor and you should just fall in line and follow that model. And so 
that is a threat to us all because the environment, uh, they're some of the biggest destroyers of the environment. And unfortunately, that mess, miseducation uh, filtering down to even persons of African descent or wherever you are, because we develop those habits and believe that there is no better way. And so it is met with a lot of resistance because they recognize that you're talking about truly empowering others uh, to be at the table as an equal. And for me, it's it, my motivation is it does not matter what people like that think because I'm actually uh, fighting for their benefit as well. Because as you pointed out, we can be free uh, on one hand if, you know, equally the chain is attached in the other direction. But that type of spirit is one of scarcity uh, where I think the only way I can be successful is that you're not successful. And so there is enough, there's enough. I mean, you think of Africa, Africa has most of the arable land in the world. Africa has so much resources. The United States economy cannot be fueled without it. Whether you're flying on a commercial jet, whether you're using your cell phone, or you're driving in a Tesla vehicle, the batteries, but the miseducation is what fuels all of this because most people don't uh, know the connections. And so even in the conservation arena, I attended a conference, you know, less than a week ago and uh, it's the Caribbean Gulf and Fisheries Institute. But yet the Bahamas has the largest mangrove nursery system in the entire Western world. But um, when you look at how conservation is practiced, who's funding the research, and is the human component uh, generally included of how you empower locals with the skills and the tools that they need. And that's not the typical model that is practiced. People use to scout out these resources so that they can make more money, but they're thinking about, even if they're managing the fisheries, in most cases, they're thinking about it from a selfish standpoint, you say. But despite but, but, that... But when are we going to be tired of that model? Because we can we can see now, okay, now we come back to what we usually do here, which is where we find our responsibility. Because I really cannot control the European. I, I'm not, I don't have that kind of power, but I can control myself as an African. And so that yeah. is where I choose to lay more emphasis on that. Now... What is it going to take us to understand that the model we are practicing is not working for us, that we need to change? Because freedom is costly. Freedom cannot be given. It can never be given. You always need to take it. The reason Africans are not respected, are not taken seriously, is that we do not take ourselves seriously yet. It's not that yeah. we have always do like this. No. Since our encounter with the European, we have always played this subordinate role. We don't want to play the man role. We like to play the boy role. As long yeah. as we play the boy role, the game will remain the way it is because it was designed by the European. 
The system that we practice in Africa was designed by the European. How could you possibly win the man who designed the game you are playing? You're right. We must, we must be tired of that and choose to play our own game. Of course, that means now you will need to pay the cost of be, of be free. Because if we don't pay the cost, the price for it, it will always be like this until Daiki don't come. This is where I want you to speak more to. Yes, no, you're absolutely right. And that's, that's been the journey in my life for the last 30 years. And oftentimes you're misunderstood. And oftentimes you're, the opposition comes from fellow Africans who themselves, because of the, because the miseducation has been so deep, they think that you're, you know, just a troublemaker stirring up the water. You know, and so that is that is why we have to focus on education at that level. That's where my focus has been, but it makes it a very difficult task at times because oftentimes you and I are not getting the support from fellow Africans. A lot of people are comfortable with them remaining the way it is because they might be benefiting a few dollars here and there. And oftentimes they're the first ones who come to fight you or to create the opposition. But you still have to continue uh, you know, doing what is right. And for me, that uh, I realize there's no, there's no alternative because if you don't do it, it actually will continue to get worse as we see it in so many cases around the world. It's not getting better. It gets worse when people stand by and do nothing about it. As we can see, a lot of people, they don't want to participate because it is on the harder side that we are calling calling now. Because the cheaper side is just to play by the rule. <laughs> and the rule yes. is yes. not set up by us. We are not in charge of it, but we just play by it. And of course, nobody is going to shoot you because we are playing by the rule. The people yeah. that they are going to shoot are those that are not played by the rule. And yes. that is the only way you are going to be free. If you don't want to be free, that is fine. You remain a slave forever. That is okay. If that is what you want, you don't need to struggle. You don't struggle to be normal. When you become abnormal, that is what you need to struggle for. Because Yes. So it's, <laughs> I've lived that path because I've uh, all those issues I've taken on. I remember when I built my fly fishing resort, persons used to book up to five years in advance. And myself, along with other guides uh, from different islands of the Bahamas, we decided to push for a legislation that was about creating a conservation model that would empower the ordinary citizens to use these resources. And it was an amazing to see the opposition from within the United States, from within Canada, European countries, the local uh, uh, colonial families who control the economy here. And it was just incredible. They put my lodge and another Bahamian prominent lodge on a global boycott. And so I saw it firsthand and lived it for so many years. But that's the strategy that's used. You're gonna, you're gonna pay economically 
when you take on such issues. But most people are afraid of that because they're thinking, oh, I don't want to lose my home. I don't want to lose my car. I don't want to lose my job. And so... They better remain a slave. There was amazing a, a movie called Mandalay where they're on a plantation and you know, now even when say slavery was so-called abolished because that's another whole other discussion and they told the, slave, the enslaved persons that they could go free most of them did not want to leave the plantation because they were comfortable you know they can have a meal there they had a place to sleep and so you'll find so many even after they've gone and getting a bachelor's, master's, a PhD, they are comfortable not changing the status quo because they are rewarded personally uh, for being a part of it, you see? So, but we still have to, we still have to, those who know better have to be the example, yeah. Thank you so much for that, dear Prescott. Now, you were showing me yesterday of the award that you have received because of this work that you were doing, that you have been doing. Because like I said at the beginning, you didn't just wake up and start to fight for uh, conservation. This is something you'll be doing forever. And you were finally recognized for that. Do you want to share something about that? Yes, it's, it was interesting because the award would have never, uh, I would have never gotten such an award if it meant the recommendation came internally in the Bahamas, because those who control the so-called conservation environment are the colonial families who control the economy. So the award, the recommendation came from outside the Bahamas through uh, the relationship with the Environmental Defense Fund and you know, several captains in Texas. And, but what was interesting about it is the Gulf and Caribbean Fishing Institute. That was their 75th uh, conference held in Destin, Florida. And we were accommodated by our Minister of the Environment, uh, Mr. Vaughan Miller, and his leadership team accompanied. But I could have easily looked at it in a way that it was about me personally, but I saw it as an opportunity to open the door for the bigger issues that we face with. So when I accepted the award, I said, I'm accepting this award on behalf of a conservation model that is about empowering ordinary citizens. And it doesn't matter whether they're in Tanzania or they're in Trinidad because of what we shared earlier, the path that we're on that really affects us all negatively. And so how is it that, and I pointed out, I said uh, a video that I will share with you that I had produced that showed various resources in the Bahamas, the largest flats in the world, the largest bonefish population, the largest concentration of blue holes, the largest amount of coral reefs in the entire Caribbean and Western world, the largest mangrove nursery system in the Western world. Well, these resources sustain fisheries all over. And so 
But here it is, I'm in this room where persons are, you know, scientists from Sweden, from Colombia, all around the Caribbean, all over the world, they were doing various presentations. And what the Minister of the Environment and Natural Resources saw from the Bahamas was where, where were the Bohemians at the table? Where were the Bohemians who have these resources, but yet who's leading the effort in, in the protection of these resources with such a model? And so I had the opportunity to speak and I said to them, you know, I spoke about the things that I've experienced with so many people dying from Haiti, uh, just like many leave the continent of Africa trying to get to Europe. We have these same issues in the Caribbean, people leaving Cuba, people leaving Haiti, there are thousands of people that lose their lives. And, but I said, while we're here talking about you know, how much fish and, and you know, the Sagasso weed and, and uh, you know, the coral reef and so forth, the conch, uh, red snappers, nobody's speaking about how does this impact the human component. So when we get all of these millions of dollars in grant money, uh, do we put in those grants, uh, tools, the training of the skills needed to empower the locals to use their resources to support themselves and their family. That's not part of the equation. And so that's what I was telling you about the model of conservation. And yet so many fund these research of how they scout out resources, not only in our region, it's the same model in Africa. They all through Africa saying they're testing the soil and checking out the plant, but yet, you know, the big pharmaceutical companies in Europe, in the United States, in China, they're producing the pills, they're, you know, they realize that there's platinum under the ground, there's diamond, there's gold. And so I spoke to a conservation model that's about bringing real change and empowerment to uh, not only our region, but what we face all over the world. And so accepting the award, I'm grateful for it, but I didn't see it as something about promoting my own self-interest. Again, we talk about that nature of scarcity or abundance. And so for me, um, and I met some amazing uh, persons from throughout the region, from uh, St. Lucia, uh, Trinidad and Tobago, Jamaica, Haiti. You know, it was, it was an amazing experience, a week of conference. And I learned a lot because it was fascinating to see all of the various, uh, you know, presenters, the scientists doing the research and all kinds of marine resources. So, but what I, what I, what I am very, if you look at our miseducation, we need to have a serious effort getting persons in the sciences at all levels. I mean, COVID showed you that we read your reading on vaccines from somebody else, right? But yet Africa with a billion people, you know, 
why are we producing our own vaccines, right? And then you get Cuba. Cuba is an example, an amazing example of even in our region, the second industry is biotechnology. They have the most doctors per capita in the world. Cuba's, Cuba sent many of its citizens. They died on the continent of Africa for, you know, in the fight against the British and South Africa. And most people don't even realize there were thousands of Cubans who died, gave their blood for the freedoms that many take for granted in Africa today. But they, they export their doctors all over Cuba. You know, doctors visit Bahamas throughout the Caribbean. But, uh, again, that country is put under so much pressure because for them to be successful, it means the very system that we followed could not be looked at as the very best role model. So I believe in full democracy, but even what we've been miseducated about democracy it's not real democracy. It means, you know, I remember a cowboy movie, I'll share this with you, where there were three cowboys and one one pulled the gun on his two buddies. And he said, you know, we're going to share this booty straight down the middle, 90% for me and 10% for you both. Now he's pointing the gun at them and he said, you know, is that fair, right? And they said, yes. So that's the kind of mindset and model that you're talking about. You know, we take Africa's gold, we take Africa's platinum, we take the oil, the bauxite, the copper, the manganese, and yet, you know, you get very little to nothing for it. And then we uh, enrich our economies and we call that fair trade. Thank you, Subun, for that. So what would be your final thought here to conclude the conversation? Of course, it is. Uh, it's, um, the, the, the fine line here is that what we are going, what we are going through today, is linked to where we are coming from. In that, people are interested in the resources that we have, and for them to yeah. be able to get it, we need to pass through this refining process of of turning all into what we have become today. We first of all need to decode that, and then begin to find our way out of it if we are ready to pay the price, because everything have a price. If we're not ready to pay the price now, then we continue to become slaves forever. Uh, everybody is fine with that. Nobody's going to kill you. You are a slave, so it's easier to manage you, you know? But if you don't want to be yes. a slave anymore, if you are tired, be ready. They'll be ready to be shot also because they will shoot you. If you're not ready to be shot, and they'll be a slave. That is okay for you. So yes. what is your final thought in it? <laughs> it? It's a powerful point you just made. But to me, I can sleep a lot better at night knowing that, you know, my life's purpose is about making a difference for others. And I realized that if people don't stand, it actually will only get worse. So when you think of civil rights in the United States or even throughout Africa, many professionals in the continent today, they don't realize that many had to die for the little freedoms that they have. Uh, for you and for you to be doing what you're doing now, you know, from Italy and connecting the Bahamas and connecting uh, other parts of the region, you know, so persons will hear this message all over the world. 
as I shared with you, when I was uh, less than a week ago at the Gulf and Caribbean Fishing Institute, I met fellow uh, persons from you know Trinidad, every country throughout the Caribbean. We'll share this information with them, and then they will share it with others. So. What you're doing is so important, making those linkages. And so if we are to get out of this, we have to dispel the miseducation, deliberate miseducation that we here in the West have a certain perception of what Africa and why Africa is in the perceived state uh, that we generally see through various media outlets and also why we in the Caribbean, Central, South America, find ourselves where we are always in a general position of accepting crumbs of resources that rightfully uh, originate and uh, belong to us. And so whether it's in the conservation arena you find at the end of the day, we have to get more Africans in the sciences, engineering, and, uh, you know, so we can map out what are these resources, what's the best use of them, and changing the policies. Uh, if we can work for Norway, if we can work for Qatar or United Arab Emirates, why can't the same model work for us in the Bahamas or any other part of Africa? And so that's the message I would like to, to leave with. The African has to see ultimately that remaining enslaved mentally is to the detriment of future generations, even if they have this you know, level of comfort financially for helping to maintain the status quo. Uh, like a Native American said, our survival is dependent on nature's survival. Obey, I wish sometimes I can give every human being a hundred million dollars and take away all the clean water, all the birds, all the marine life. And everybody's got their hundred million dollars and there's no trees, there's no bird. The water is polluted, but yet they would understand very quickly that wealth is not just in the accumulation of how much money you have. Uh, as you said, our survival is dependent on nature's survival. And so we have to play an active role in bringing about this change, not only for those who have enslaved us and continue to fuel the system, but even for their freedom and survival as well, is all linked to changing the very structure that we think is the very best and uh, option that we have to follow. Yep, that would be the message. That Thank you so much for that. I, I like it that much that the conclusion is that, that at the end of the day, it's not about Africa coming with a revenge now against Europe. That is not the struggle. The struggle is that we want to save all of us. We want to save humanity, including those that are wrong us too. It's not about yeah. this 
um, exploitative model of destroying the earth just for a few percentage of people in the world. Only a few percentage, only a small percentage of human beings are responsible for the destruction of this world. So what we are saying, the model that we, we are saying that should be there is for the protection of all of us. If we are intelligent enough as humanity, we should have learned from COVID-19 that somehow we are yes. all connected. No one is exempt. If we destroy one part of the earth, it's going to affect you wherever you want to hide. So it is for your own good, all of us, that we act responsibly. Yes, because we have a greater trap if we don't deal with this structure that Europe, because let's think of uh, China. The Chinese might not be coming in with guns into Africa, but if you look at the Chinese parliament and their structures, I don't think in a hundred years you're going to see Africans being elected into their parliament like you might see a black elected into the Senate in the United States, while that might have taken hundreds of years. And so you have a more dangerous threat coming to us because China is not moving all through Africa because they're trying to preserve nature. There's this, this vicious appetite for resources because now they're following that model of uh, extracting the resources by any means necessary you know, getting to control the ports, getting to mine the mineral resources. But it's not with a, with a harmony of how do you protect the environment so that the lions and the deers and, and nature survives, which is critical to all of our survival. So we have a whole new threat, which is ramped up because they're not coming in with guns, but it's even more deadly and that so while europe did these atrocious things we have to look at enslavement of africans even before the europeans and the arabs were the biggest slave traders and of course they sold as many lies that you know well africans were selling africans without giving you the full context that religion was one of the tools used that people were delighted divided along religious lines so therefore, even some of the Africans didn't see themselves in the same way if they were, you know, Muslims or Christians or whatever. They just, same strategy Europeans used to say, well, they're savages, so we can enslave them and so forth. But China, that's a whole other uh, animal. And you think of Russia, you know, Japanese need these resources and so many other countries. And so it becomes even a greater scramble. And again, if you imagine destroying Africa and where it has most of the farming land in the world, most of the resources that is fueling the planet, uh, I mean, just the thought of even just thinking about what, if we think it's bad now, so I think Africans have to wake up wherever they are in the world and not just be comfortable. We need to wake up quick, quick. Because yes. like I always say here, we don't have any savior coming. No one is coming. 
Yes. <laughs> we better realize that we better prepare for the game because no one, yeah. the last time I checked, no one was coming. So right. No one is going to save Africa. If we want to save ourselves, we will better do it with our words, with our face, and if it need be with our blood, that yes. is our home. That You're is absolutely right. It's, uh, but, you know, again, you know that's part of the miseducation because we think, you know, no matter how much we suffer here, there's some milk and honey waiting for us. And so someone could be digging all the gold from around your feet and they tell you to look up in the sky. And without <laughs> even... <laughs> so, yeah. It's unfortunate. That, yes, it is. All right. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate yeah. the time and I appreciate the conversation. Looking forward to next time. I really enjoy Definitely. it. Definitely. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes. Rate and review Obehead Podcast and share with your friends who might need it. I remain Obehead A1 Thank you so much for listening and talk to you in the next episode.